0: Alright guys, welcome back to the You Love To Hear It podcast. Before we jump into this and cover some insane topics today that you guys have had for me, I just wanna give a huge shout out to all my sponsors. None individually, but literally almost every single thing that you can think of that you're gonna need for this season when it comes down to not only gear, but even food and energy and supplements and stuff. It's all listed in the description of these videos with discount codes to offer you guys so that you can perform at your peak, you can look the freshest, and not only support me, but support the homies that support the homies. Hope you guys enjoy this podcast. This is a really, really deep one for me, and you know what, you'll love to hear it. All right, guys, welcome back to the You Love To Hear It podcast. Have not done one of these in a little while. I think the last one was with Mike Dawson in Tahoe, and I never really know what I'm getting into when I start these things off. You kind of just get the ball rolling, and then eventually you figure out your flow and discuss certain topics and stuff, but today, I have been over the past maybe three weeks since the last podcast, I've been getting some questions from you guys that are really, really good, and long-form answers, I feel like, so instead of answering you guys in your messages, I've been promising that I will answer them in this podcast, and then a couple weeks have been going by, and we've just been super busy, so here we go basically this is like the questions with Casey part of the podcast and we're just going to jump right into it because today is Sunday we are here in Breckenridge we're at the Green Brothers house it is a beautiful day but it's very busy on the weekends I'm not that much of a weekend rider Breck parks aren't open yet so we could go do some groomers but it's going to be super busy Mike and Dan both went to work so we got the house empty here and the other boys went riding at Eldora and I just want to be super on point for this week so took in a double rest day and here we are you love to hear a podcast number whichever one this is maybe 4 but we're jumping into this with some questions from you guys the first one is from Chris Ronzo that said hey Casey I'm trying for a surf club team in my school and they have been giving me a hard time about it because of liability they wouldn't even make the time to listen to my plans I have two teachers who already said they can supervise it and are supporting me on all of it and a lot of kids really want it to happen also. I just don't know what to do. I don't want to give up at all. I really want it to work out. If you have any tips for me, can you send them to me please? It's a struggle and I'm looking up all the laws and everything. I just really want it to work out. Chris, the first thing I want to say is that's amazing. I don't know where you guys are living, but if you are in any area where there is ocean near you and there are waves, then I back it so hard. And I believe that all school systems should have some type of surf camp set up. I originally started snowboarding and got my first turn on a snowboard because of a snowboard camp at, I'm from Connecticut, so Powder Ridge Mountain or hill or bump, whatever we called it back then. And my tip and my advice for you is actually gonna cover a lot of people. When everybody wants to get something done, they usually like to just go and talk to the people about it in person. But the best bet that you can do is like you already said you've discussed it with your teachers, you've discussed it with other people, you know that there is a following that would make it work. Get yourself a textbook kind of pamphlet style organization of all of your thoughts and all of your ideas and write them down and organize them and have a title, have a heading, have multiple sections and multiple pages giving all of the information of what it is that you know that people are already into and how you know that that many people will want to join into this group so that it's going to be a thing. It's not just you wanting to do it. Put down all of the people that you know, like you said, the teachers that are down to supervise or chaperone, put down all of the spots that you know that you could surf, and the safeties behind it and make a big, big, big paragraph all based on why you think this would benefit not only you, but the people and the school and the city and the environment and everything because when you hand somebody a completed document, say five, six pages with an intro, a briefing, photos, how things are going to go down, what benefits they'll get from it. It's honestly a big eye opener because most people don't get that. If you send that into their email and you give them, hey, what's going on? This is my name. This is a short briefing of what I think I would like to have happen with this program that's going to benefit everybody and attach the file. of times they open it up and they're surprised like wow this kid really put in a lot of work he really spent time in his day he did the research he did everything that you want to do answering all the questions that they're going to have right there and just handed it to them like full format so it shows very very professionalism when you do that and that is not only with this surf program thing but that goes for anybody who's maybe a sponsored snowboarder that wants to get a travel budget or if you have a project coming up that you want to get some backing for from other sponsors or if you just want to get some sponsors it's always nice before you try to even attack or to approach the people with hey I want to talk about this if you want to give me the time just hit them straight up here's their contact send them everything in one shot and they'll be blown away it might take like a week or two or even three weeks for them to get it to the right people or into the right hands or to respond to you but That's what I do. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. If it doesn't work one year, do it the next year. If it doesn't work with one company, do it with the next company. But Chris, that is my advice to you. I hope so hard that you guys get a surf program set up at your school, because honestly, surfing has made one of the largest impacts in my entire life. So I hope that helps. And we're jumping on to the next one. We got Caleb Rue. What is your favorite out of snowboarding, skateboarding, and surfing? I watch at least one of your videos before school to get stoked for the day. And that's a tough one. My favorite, we're going to have to give a little backstory first. I started skateboarding at nine years old. It's the first time I ever got a skateboard. My mom got it for me from CCS Magazine. I want to say it was a world industry skateboard. And from nine years old to like 13 years old, I was skateboarding every single day, leaving my school, skateboarding to school, going in the streets afterwards, making friends, getting kicked out of the behind of school loading docks. For a while, I wasn't even allowed to bring my skateboard to school because I got kicked out of skating after school and my mom had to come pick me up. And all the boys got banned from even having their skateboards on the school grounds property at all. So we used to have to find a neighbor that lived close to the school and hide our skateboards under his deck when we skated to school because we just loved so much the feeling of skating to school that we still had to do it. We weren't going to take the bus. And skateboarding is just drilled so hard into my core It's drilled so hard into my life and the foundation of my snowboarding and my surfing that it's like it's got to be my number one But when I hit 13 is when ski club started ski school And I got my first ever turns on a snowboard and it was the best feeling I've ever had I was actually really really good at it right off the rip I had like no learning curve because I think I had been skateboarding for so long and From 13 to like 18 or 19 is when I snowboarded at like whichever mountains I could go to in the East Coast, mostly around New England, but mostly was Stratton. I did the Sunday Pass and I would ride like maybe 12 times a season tops, like 10 to 15 times. And towards the end of like my 18th year being alive, uh, me and my buddy Brian Wentworth found Mount Snow and that's when... Turned 19 that winter, it really set in like, oh my gosh, these parks are insane. These people are throwing insane tricks. They look so dope. I want to do that so often. And I started just literally commuting from Connecticut two and a half hours each way, five hour round trip, probably four or five days a week for the entire season and then the next season as well. And then I finally moved there and then I was 21. And that's when I decided full time I'm quitting my job, I'm quitting everything, I'm selling all my stuff from Connecticut, getting on a plane. I'm going to Mount Hood, Oregon because I discovered you can snowboard in the summer. And from there, I had all this money that I had been saving from just working in Connecticut, not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life for so long that I could just travel the world. I had enough money and I had enough, I had the good mindset to not want to spend money on anything because I found my true passion and my love for snowboarding. So I wasn't buying anything that was not essential and I was only paying for travel Food and gas to get myself from one snowboard spot to the next. So I spent like from my 21st year on this planet until like my 26th year. I'm saying five straight years snowboarding year round, 300 plus days a year, going from Mount Hood all summer to Austria in the fall to Colorado, Keystone preseason, back to Mount Snow for January. February, I'd go to Tahoe and I would just constantly, constantly figure out where the snow was, how I could budget my time and just make it happen and honestly that was like a huge changing point in my life where I stopped skateboarding so much because skateboarding is really brutal on the body and as you know if you get older it's harder and harder to take those cement slams and when you're all 10 and 12 stairs and trying to board side handrails it's just really not that forgiving so that's where snowboarding basically took over skateboarding but without my skateboarding I wouldn't be where I am in my snowboarding career and when I was about 20 Two, maybe 22 or 23 is when I first went from Mount Hood down to Southern California where my brother Dana was living and that's when I discovered surfing I paddled out for the first time ever on a nine foot longboard, and it took me like two weeks probably 10 12 days of just getting absolutely thrashed taking the board to the teeth bloody noses waking up every single morning sunrise to sunset paddling working on endurance And I finally caught my first wave in Huntington Beach, California, and that changed my life forever. It was so much harder than snowboarding, so it felt so much more rewarding. And even that one wave was still a foamy wave that kind of just pushed me all the way in, maybe a 15-second ride to shore. But it was such a better feeling than anything I've ever had. It was like a consistent pow turn, like the emotion of being up on a surfboard while you're being pushed from a variable wave that has so many different elements and... You're trying to ride it while it's moving in multiple directions and you have to move on your board it just felt so satisfying like I put in so much work and I was hooked but I was still so obsessed with snowboarding and I had my goal And I wanted to get good at snowboarding so I was doing everything that I could to be get healthier and to just travel and to be on my snowboard as much as possible so unfortunately surfing was drilled in the back of my head but it was on the back burner and until I got really 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 good to the point where I wanted to achieve my snowboarding one month month and a half out of every year in the fall in Southern California where I thought like everybody else thinks California has the best waves but it really really doesn't summer surfing in California is cold and like mushy weird waves but in this in the winter is when it really gets picked up and I'm always snowboarding so for so many years probably until I was like 26 I never did really much surfing but I loved it so much I would just do that one month and then at 26. I moved to California in the summer thinking that that's where you would get good at surfing. And I spent literally from like May until June, July, August, September, probably five months surfing every single day. First one in the lineup, Northside Huntington Beach Pier, 4.30 paddling out, swimming, surfing, doing all the actual activities that you could think of to improve your shoulder endurance. And I got a lot better and I got really obsessed with it and I started to fall back from snowboarding and I went to Peru that December into January for the whole month and I surfed that whole month and then I went to Indonesia in July June, July and I moved to Mexico even before that for April, May into June and I was running K38 Surf House and I was just literally surfing as much as I could and I was getting better but surfing is so difficult to get good at and like my snowboarding the way that I excelled so fast in those five years was because I put every penny and every second of my life into snowboarding year round. Never really did that with surfing so this year, 2016 I think it was, was the most progression I've ever had in my life and the most obsessed I've ever gotten with surfing but like anything else you take five months off of something. I just want to do the other thing so bad, so as soon as that next winter came, that fall came, we were back on the circuit, we were back in Austria, back in Dubai, and it's really just hard to say. So I have to give all that background to where I am now to say that skating is my foundation. Without it, I wouldn't be where I am today. Snowboarding is what I'm good at because I've put the most time in, and it just feels like it resonates so much with me, but in the back of my head, I think the best feeling out of all the board sports that I do is surfing hands down, no questions asked. If I could have like five or six years of straight surfing under my belt and I was as good as I am at surfing as I am at snowboarding, I hate to say it, but I think surfing would be my number one. But right now, I love snowboarding the most. Surfing probably gives me the best feeling. Skateboarding is number one underlying all of it. So, Not really the best answer, but that's a little background for all of them and how I feel about all the sports. I don't think I would be where I am today without all of them. They all correlate with each other and they all make you better at one or the other. So we're jumping into number three, the Rogue Shredder. So I know if I watch for the next time you do the podcast, I can call them this question, but I don't want to miss it. You don't need to answer it if you don't want to, but how do you personally deal with burnout and still getting it done? I know it's partly sucking it up and just doing it, but any advice for helping conquer it? Thanks, Casey. Keep up your hard work. Dude, this is an easy one. If you're getting burnt out, one, this kind of goes in two ways, actually. You're either burnt out because you're overworking at something that you don't like doing or you're being burnt out at something that you do like doing. If you really truly like it, then like, I don't mean like it, I mean love it. If you found your passion and you are doing it to the bones, to the grit every single waking day, you might not even feel the burnout except it'll sneak up on you after you've been putting in so much work. Like Sometimes I love what I do. I love snowboarding. I love making content. I love filming everything. But when you come home after riding freaking copper opening day for six hours, seven hours, and you're hiking nonstop the entire time, it is ruthless when all your friends grab food on the way home, sit down, and they just like start either watching TV or doing something else or scrolling on the internet. And then like nine, 10 o'clock comes around, they're burnt out. They just pass out. And I got to open up my computer and do four hours of editing. But if you get to the point where you put in the year or the two years of consistent struggle and grind and hustle and work where you don't really see much paying off, and then you finally do start to see it pay off. Like with me, I get comments from you guys and I get DMs from you guys and I get people that are constantly, constantly hitting me up, texting me, messaging me, telling me how much of an impact I've made in their life, how much I've helped change either their diet or their eating or that they've lost weight or that they saved money through the codes that I've given them for coupons so that they can do what they love or they bought a van or they moved to Colorado or any of these things. That's my motivation. That's my passion behind it all. and That's what really, truly keeps me going. Alongside the combo of I love it. I love snowboarding. I love being able to look at the footage when I get home, put together a project of my day. Me literally breaking down things for people that have questions and showing these resorts and showing people what these resorts have to offer and then getting hit up by the resorts and then they're stoked that they get to reshare the stuff at first it's hard because maybe you're just putting the work in, putting the work in and you love it but you're not seeing the actual results but just know that you have to put in a couple years of serious serious consistent grinding before you get to that and those first years it should not really feel that difficult if you truly love what you're doing I can understand the burnout coming after that if you don't start to receive some of the love or start some of the growth that should come after that but you just gotta know and you gotta be grateful the number one thing is gratitude comes in how i keep going if you're able to do what you love and you're able to do it every day and you're able to not have to spend any of your time doing things that you don't love you just got to take a day off maybe every now and then take a weekend off and just rest sleep do something outside of nature see your friends see your family do something that will regenerate that because i'll go hard for months at a time literally getting five hours of sleep for like a full month every single night i'll just be getting five hours and then You want to rest. You want to take like, I took that three week break that one time. And sure enough, in like, you can't really rest more than you need to in like a night or two. Like if you stay up for three days, you you can't sleep more than eight to 10 hours and get your rest. It's not like you have to sleep for 24 hours to get all that rest back. So my thing is just find your passion. If you love what you're doing, then it's going to be easy you won't get burnt out and if you do, just take a day off. Go find something that can recenter yourself. Go find some, just go eat some nutrients. Go find somewhere outside that's in nature and just like re-harness yourself and really look into what you're doing and ask yourself, are you truly happy? Are you bringing value to people? Are you stoked? Are, are, you, are you enjoying your life? Is it fun? And that should resonate with yourself and be like, oh yeah, I am not grateful enough actually is what you should be thinking to yourself. And yeah, that's how I do it. I just find the things that I'm grateful for and I know how blessed I am every day because of the hard work that I put into to be in the position that I'm at. And that's how I keep going. So that's how, I, that's how I get mine right there. The Rogue Shredder. There's your answer. We're just flying through these things right now. This is probably just going to be today's whole podcast is me answering these questions because these are so old. Some of these are from September still. The next one is Aaron. What's up, Casey? Just want to show you some love. Been watching your videos from the start, brother. I actually have a question I wanted to ask during the podcast. I'm going to start the van life soon and I'll be moving to Colorado. Are there mountains that let you sleep overnight in the lot? If not, is it hard to find parking, let's say in Breck? I'll be working in Denver, but when I have consecutive days off, I want to take the van to the slopes and camp so I don't have to make the trek from Denver multiple days in a row. Hope to hear from you soon, man. You'll love to hear it. This is a big one I get a lot is the parking thing. There are definitely overnight parking spots everywhere you go. You can figure them out by downloading maybe apps. I think there's an app called CamperMate. That's one that I used when I was traveling overseas. And it gives you little areas of green or red. And they tell you where you can park for one night or where you can park indefinitely. But this comes into meeting people, being social, and having friends. I came to Breckenridge 2012 with no vehicle. And I hit up on Facebook. Anybody got a friend that I could crash at their house. And I just crashed through a friend at another friend's house that I had never met on his couch. And... When you're in the snowboarding scene it's easy everybody's super 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 friendly because everybody's always been crashing on somebody's couch at one point when it comes to the van life you need a big spot to to park a car i was fortunate enough where the green brothers last year let me park in their parking garage but i didn't even know them i had hit them up the summer beforehand because we were snowboarding together at mount hood and mike green was like dude come through i got a spot for you to park the van so friends are crucial if you don't have friends in that area go on the mountain start riding. You're on the chairlift with somebody. You're going to meet that person. The number one thing for things like this is you got to put yourself in the scenario. You have to prove to the universe first that you're willing to do it and put the work in before you get the results. You're not just going to have a bunch of people message you saying, hey, if you need somewhere to crash in Breck, come park your car here because it just doesn't work like that. It's like getting paid before you put the work in. Go to Breck. Drive there, not in the night, just drive there in the morning one day and start talking to people on the lift. You'll meet a bunch of friends. Those friends will have other friends. You start asking them. You start offering things for them. And then next thing you know, someone's like, dude, I got a driveway. You can come park for sure. And then this is where it's crucial. You want to be a good person when somebody offers you something like that and you want to be able to give back to them. They're paying rent, so they have a parking spot for you, but you literally potentially need somewhere to make food or eat. So you can offer them, hey man, I'll buy you lunch or I'll buy you dinner if you let me park in your garage or if you let me park outside your house or let me come inside your house and I'll make you dinner on your stove. That's a big one I do. I know how to make food for people. People are bored or they're tired when they get off the mountain and they don't want to make food. So I offer them once we're done riding, let's go back to your spot. I'll clean up your kitchen. I'll make you a sick dinner and in exchange, you can let me just park outside of your spot that isn't really costing them anything. So It's always about being a good person, making trades and being willing to put yourself out there, going to the place beforehand. A lot of times people ask me like, hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? I do it without a clue. I don't know. I'm down to literally find a parking lot and sleep in that parking lot by myself until the police lights show up and tell me to get kicked out because you got to put the work in. Sometimes you just got to do that. So I hope that helps, Aaron. I hope you got that van. I hope you're probably already in Breck right now sleeping somewhere. We got another one here from Liam Newman. Hey man, I want your advice. Stuck in a full-time job I hate and have the opportunity to get out. I've been working on my YouTube the last few weeks and it's starting to grow. I have about 160 subs. My sponsors and other companies are looking to back me to help make content. How's the best way to grow the channel? I have no idea how YouTube and the revenue works. What do I need to do to look, to live from making videos? been a huge supporter of the message you've been putting across and I idolize how you make it work for yourself and hoping to now do the same. Any advice you have, I'll happily take on board and hope to make the same for myself. Cheers. So this is a huge one I get all the time, basically, not only on YouTube, but anybody that's trying to grow a following and to get more followers or subscribers or anything like that, really. And the best way to do it is the only way to do it. And I usually say three or four things that are so crucial, which is put out As much quality content as you can on a consistent basis across as many social media platforms as you can. While you're doing that, be authentic, be yourself, be creative, and the number one thing is give value to others. Bring value, whether it's entertainment, whether it's trick tips, whether it's knowledge, whether it's whatever your forte is. You have to be offering something to somebody, and most people want to just get famous by maybe having people watch them, but there's only a level to that. And if you're not giving value back to others, then it's going to hit to a point where you're going to plateau. I make entertaining videos and I believe that because of the life that I have lived and because I have been able to support myself and travel the world and do snowboarding and do what I love before the vlog and before any content, because of the way I spent my money and because of the way I traveled and because of the way I slept in my car and my van and my ranger for all these years before any of this stuff, the fact that I truly have passion and love for it and I literally did this with no support, no friends, I was traveling by myself is the reason that when I started my YouTube channel, I actually have a foundation of somebody that can bring value to others. So just through filming my daily life, and not giving tips, not giving advice or anything like that, just showing what I'm doing, my channel started doing very well off of the beginning because people saw the core authenticity that I have, which is what my channel basically is. And when I got better at videos, and when I got better at talking, and when I got better at traveling, is when sponsors started to hit me up, and people started to hit me up and ask me questions and offer me things. And then I started to incorporate, okay, now that I have a following and a fan base that knows that I'm authentic, Then the things that I say will actually be true and I can start to bring value back to the community, which is when I started doing trick tips or I started answering questions or like I'm doing right now, I started a podcast where I'm giving you guys advice on real things that I've actually done. So don't worry about the money. I literally did not make a dollar off of YouTube or sponsors or anything to do with that for over a year. I worked for like almost an entire summer, like six, eight months, saving as much money as I can. Paid off my whole rent for that winter, bought my camera, bought my computer. I already had my car and my insurance paid for, and I knew I have like basically 12 months to live off of however much money I had to where I'm gonna run out at that point. So that gave me some serious, serious motivation to want to do 12 straight months of vlogs, which is what I did in 2018. I vlogged every single day and I remember literally right around the last month of that 12-year period, I had actually went below the money that I had had saved. I hit zero. And that last month, I spent like $2,000 and something had happened on that month where I got like my first sponsor check, my first YouTube check, a couple donations and everything. And it had paid off my credit card right back to zero. And I balanced at that for a little while until I started to grow like 16 months in. To where I'm not saying I could save money and I could like ball out, but I was able to survive on my still like 10 to $30 a day where I was not spending any money on anything that wasn't insanely crucial because I still kept true to myself and my values and what I was doing and the way that I got there and the reason that I thought people even wanted to watch me was – the only reason that it all worked out. And so that's my advice to you, man. It's just be authentic. Put out as much content as you possibly can. Love what you do and have no expectations from others. Give your stuff out for free. A lot of people want to charge right off the rip so they can start making all this money and then they take all that money and they spend it. Any money you make, invest back in yourself and try as hard as you can to give everything you do away for free. I give all my YouTube content out for free. The, The people that should be paying are the big, big sponsors like the advertisers up top, and also your other sponsors that you're bringing value to as well. So not only can you get paid from YouTube, but YouTube's a really small amount of money. You can get paid from doing YouTube reviews. You can get paid from doing sponsor reviews. You can get paid from your sponsors for showing these kind of things in your videos. And eventually, if you have that core audience, you can build something and offer it to them for a small, small percentage, and just maybe ask for like them to donate if it helps you, not just here's a package it's fifty dollars because a lot of people they don't want to do it they don't know it until they have it but if you give it away for free they're down to pay afterwards if they got value from it so that's my biggest tip for you brother we're still going strong right now next one caleb ackerman hey casey i'm a fan of your vlogs and an avid snowboarder myself i currently live in iowa so i don't get out as much as i would like to but another one of my passions is bow hunting here in the midwest my brother-in-law and I are looking to start a channel and I'm just shooting you an email to see what video editing software you use and if there's any tips you'd be willing to share as far as starting a YouTube channel. We weren't looking for fame. This is a love of ours and just looking to create quality content that we are proud of and can share with the world. Thank you for your time. So Caleb, a lot of those I just answered in that last question and I wanna say the fact that you said you're not looking for fame, it's just love and you wanna create quality content that you're proud of and can share with the world, makes me know right off the rip that you're gonna be successful. That's the number one thing. You have to love what you're doing. You can't switch up what you're doing because you're finding out, oh, maybe people wanna see this. Which if you enjoy doing it, then that's good. Go to what people want and bring them that value in that topic. But if you don't truly enjoy doing that, then it's going to see through so easy. People are going to be able to read it and they're going to tell that you're just switching whatever you were doing for likes, comments or for followers or anything like that. And the video software editing that I use is Final Cut Pro. I want to say that you can use anything. doesn't need to be the one that I use, but that is an easy one. And the way that I do my content, it's mostly just in a timeline format. And I've gotten very good at editing over time. So if it's easier, just do it, dude. Just put it on whatever program you know. Sit down and get to editing. Doesn't need to be high quality. Doesn't need to be super high grade, After Effects, everything. I don't even know what I'm doing most of the time. I'm filming on a a GH5 right now that I don't know the settings. It's on auto. I hope that it's even recording. I don't have a mic. I have two random lights that I just put over here. I'm sitting in a chair at my friend's house in the living room, surrounded by just bags and stuff, and I open up my phone. I got saved photos in here that people have sent me stuff, and I just start talking a lot of people, they overthink it. They think everybody's going to judge them. They care what other people are going to think, even though these people that would judge have no context on the actual situation. So their negative thoughts really do not even matter. So my main thing is dude, just the fact that you love it and you want to do it is that's such a good sign, dude. So just whichever program, you know, if you don't know any, get an easy one, learn it and just start getting down to business, dude. I'd love to hear that you just are so available to make quality content for free that you love. That makes me super happy to read. Another one is from Alyssa Nicole. Can I ask you how you manage to keep in contact with all your fans? You do so much and have so much energy. I'm positive, yes. You, however, are inspiring, which is really amazing. That leads back to maybe the first or second question that I answered where I was saying, you guys are the only reason that I'm even able to do this. If I didn't have the views on my videos, then I wouldn't be getting paid through YouTube and my sponsors would not want to pay me because there's not a following of people that are watching. So a lot of people start to blow up and then they start to ignore their fans or they get maybe an ego and they just start to think that it's just like a mass number system and everybody's watching their stuff. But these people could disappear at any point in time. If you change who you are and you change your core authenticity, then they're going to notice and they're going to leave. So the fact that there's all these people that I'm bringing this value to that are trying to hit me up, that are supporting me, there is no other way than to respond to all of them. I do my best to open my phone up and go through every single social media platform I have, through all my inboxes, through all my notifications, through all my YouTube comments, and I respond to the people who are the reason that I'm able to do what I do and do what I love every single day. So it's honestly crazy to me that somebody couldn't do that. But... I mean, I'm sure they'll get to a point where there'll be too many of them, but I could still find time to filter through, maybe not respond to the comments that are just basically like, you sick edit," but respond at least to the people who are confused about something and have a legitimate question that I can answer to bring them value to then that person. Remember me personally responding to them and giving them an answer that will help them in the long run is the reason that they're going to come back and the reason that if you have a social media influence these days, that you're going to be able to continue to do that. So it may be hard, but It's a lot harder to wake up at 8 a.m. and get stuck in traffic and drive to a 9 to 5 that you don't enjoy than to wake up at 6 a.m., run through 150 comments of people telling you how much you've helped them and asking for maybe more advice or more help so that they can in turn make their life better to potentially put themselves in a situation where you might need help from them later down the road and if you've helped them out, they're going to be there to help you out. So It's very easy when you have a following that is very supportive and very giving back to you that... All you have to do is give them a little bit of your time. All right, the next one is Norbinator. Happy belated birthday, Casey. I hope this next year of yours will be more beautiful than the last. I wanted to ask you if you could share your thoughts on learning new snowboard tricks. just finished a textbook on how people learn new motor skills to better understand how I can learn snowboarding tricks in a better way. That's incredible. Is there anything you particularly do when you want to learn a new trick? You practice it non-stop till it clicks, or do you sprinkle it in with other things, or perhaps practice it in a variety of ways, like learning a 50-50 on and varietying the feature? Is there something that you found works best for you? So number one is visualization, number two is confidence, number three is time. And all of those come into effect. So you can visualize something after you've seen it done. So you want to watch videos of people doing the trick that you want to do. Obviously, you want to potentially watch YouTube tutorials or something like that. You want to ride with people that can do the trick, that can give you one-on-one details of maybe the part that you're afraid of, or if you're actually going for it, the part that's giving you problems. And then the visualization comes in. If you can visualize it, you can do it. If you can't visualize it, I don't suggest even going for it. And then the third part is confidence. Do not half approach anything. If you're going to do it and you visualize yourself doing it, you need to drop in. You need to figure out where the speed is. You need to know exactly how your shoulders and your legs and everything is going to shift. You need to have full confidence and you need to go for it. When I say go for it, I mean don't go to board side of rail and push your legs to the side and your body's over on the other side where if you were to fall, you'd be safe because that's not confidence. That's not going to put your weight centered over the rail, which isn't going to make the trick happen. And it's also going to build a really, really bad routine and habit that you don't want to get into. So I would say practice, 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 visualize, ask people and watch tutorials that know how to do it, have confidence and approach it. I would like to go more into the tricks part of it, but each trick is so much different and you gotta just put the work in. You gotta be willing and ready and accept the fact that you can get smoked, but have the confidence in the visualization to see yourself landing it and then keep on going for it. And of course it is very smart to work your way up. So say you're trying to learn how to front side lip slide a rail. You wanna maybe take extra speed gap over the whole rail shift your body in the lip slide form, and then land past the rail, then maybe go slower, gap over the whole rail, do your lip slide form, and just kind of tap the end of it. So that way, if you are off balance, you'll clear the end of the rail when you fall, and then you can slow it down and slow it down until you're ollieing, turning, landing, lip slide, doing the whole rail. But that's like a big tip that I have, is I like to gap over the rails. Say I'm gonna try to back 270 on, I will gap over the rail, I'll do my back 270, I'll act like I'm gonna stall over where the rail was and then I'll clear it and then I'll slow it down the next time, but honestly, it's the time thing. You could practice on your carpet, you could practice with no snowboard, just standing on the ground outside, doing the maneuvers, doing the shifts that you know you have to do, pushing your leg out past it and just put that time in, man, that's literally where it all comes in. Tracing Whitlock, yo, you have all kinds of friends and you have a positive mindset. I'm not like that. A few kids in my town have ruined everything for me and I have like literally no friends. How do you always have a positive mindset? So that's literally something that took me years and years and years to form and it's not easy, but I always like to think of basically the worst possible things that could happen to me or my friends or my family or the items that I have or my life in general, realize that those things haven't happened and then be grateful for that. Gratitude is the number one thing that keeps me going. And it's a framework that takes a long time to build. It's like building big arms or a jacked body or like getting in shape or anything like that. Like Your brain is a real muscle and you can train that and you can train it to think of certain things. And it took me years, but if something bad happens to me, immediately my brain can sense that there's like a rush of negativity and I go right back to any documentary that I've learned about it or any book that I've read about being positive, and I just think like, okay, this can cycle downhill. You're at a very vulnerable time right now. You need to make sure that you make the most of this. Okay, what happened? You crashed your car. You're sitting on the side of the road. You just bought the car. It's brand new. It's, it's to pieces. Are you thinking about it? Are you healthy? Are you standing there? Okay, your arms, your limbs, your your friends that are in the car, you're all safe. Those are three amazing things to be grateful for. You have what's at home? Okay, your house isn't burnt down. All right, you have all your belongings. How's your how's your family? Okay, your parents are good. Okay, what about um, you can, and you can just constantly think of anything. Do you have money in your account? Okay. Do you have insurance on in your car? Okay. Those are two more things that you can be grateful for. Do you have any type of uh, like disease that you're gonna pass away in the next thirty days? Okay. Like you're styling then right now what happened to you is you smashed a vehicle that is a material object that can be replaced. You, on the other hand, cannot be replaced, but you're okay. So, wow, I'm claiming best case scenario. Get this trash car out of here. You don't know it now, but in the future, and you'll learn this more when it happens to you, when more bad things happen to you. And then in the future, you finally realize, oh, looking back, in a year or two when you have a way doper car that you got for cheaper because you didn't have this car payment that you would still be paying for right now that wouldn't allow you the access to jump on an opportunity of somebody who wants to travel to say some country that you wouldn't have been able to afford because you had this car payment but because you crashed your car and your insurance covered it and you got a check and you got $5,000 profit from it you bought a half beater that runs as good as you could possibly want that can store at your house that you don't have to make a car payment for or pay insane amounts of insurance on and now you're traveling the world because of that and because that happened to you say three years ago and you can look back and say oh remember when I crashed that car and I was thinking to myself this is a good thing this is gonna benefit me but I don't know why and then you saw it happen then you're more confident that oh okay well it's happened to me before so let's see if it doesn't happen again my girlfriend broke up with me why did that happen we've been together for five years everything was perfect we were gonna go here we were gonna do this and then you find out Five weeks later, she's got a boyfriend. Oh my God, you thought that you guys were the ones and now you're realizing that literally wasn't the person for you. You got so hooked up and yet took maybe a couple months to get over the intense feeling of like changing your entire life and being with somebody that everything that you've done has been together with to actually be like, oh, I'm free now. I've broken loose of these chains that were actually giving me anxiety because I didn't know if it was going to work to find out that she literally wasn't going to be a faithful person for me for the rest of my life. And instead of having the rest of my life ruined and being with somebody that I shouldn't have been with, three months down the road, all this toxic energy is gone. I'm traveling the world. I found a new person or maybe I'm freer now and I need to work on myself. And it's a long answer for it, but dude, there is too much to be grateful for to let somebody that is talking negative about you or thinking negative about you impact how you feel. Nine out of 10 times, if somebody's negative or if somebody's making fun of you or if somebody's insulting you, actually 10 out of 10 times, they don't know the whole story. They don't know everything about you. Their context is completely out of whack and their opinion, their ideas, and their thoughts do not matter and this is gonna be crazy but it actually has nothing to do with you. If somebody calls you stupid, Fat and ugly, right to your face, tells you, hey, John, you're stupid, you're fat, you're ugly. It has nothing to do with you. You may think I'm crazy, but it has nothing to do with you. It is a 100% reflection of that person's thoughts and that person's perceptions of whatever scenario it is. They don't know you. They don't know if you're stupid or ugly or fat. They have literally not a clue, and it's just them emitting something that's wrong with them and if anybody's going to say that kind of stuff then they need help and we need to be there for those negative people to say, "Hey man, if your negative talk is overflowing so hard about yourself that it's actually being emitted onto others, then like, bro, sit down, like let us help you out because I know that I know that I'm not stupid or ugly or fat. It's just that's just not what it is. You're just talking and it's a reflection of yourself. So let's get to the bottom of this and let's help you out." I deal with insane haters on the internet every single day. And if I was to get mad and upset, I literally wouldn't be able to do what I do every day. It would be too overwhelming. Only thing that you can do is offer these people help, offer these people advice, let them know, hey man, you're a good person. You don't need to be talking down on somebody to maybe get a laugh out of two people to think that you're cool. You honestly are cool. You are awesome. You have a great life. You're a great person. And if you need anything, we're here for you. Any negative people in your life that you don't need, you need to get rid of them. You, need to let them. you need to let them talk. You need to ignore all that stuff. You need to remember what you're grateful for. And you need to move on. And you need to find some legends. We got a bunch of these. We're going to try to keep this video under an hour. I didn't know this was just going to be a full-blown questions with Casey right now. And my man says, I need some advice. I'm currently a junior in high school and I'm starting to look at my future. Oh, boy. My friends and family really push me towards going to college and furthering my education. But I don't know if that's what I really want to do. I love gaining experiences, some good, some bad. And I really want to spend a majority of my time ripping up the hill and being in nature. There's some gray area because I need to make money to fund my life. And I think advertising and getting into the snowboard world that way could be cool. And I was just wondering what your input was. So this is a huge one. There are probably a lot of people who watch this channel and who get advice from me that are right around your age, that are leaving college, that are leaving high school, that don't know if they wanna go to college or don't know if they wanna go to their job after college. And of course, it's appealing to everybody to just wanna rip a snowboard and to be in nature. That's what humans are built for, finding your passion, putting it in nature and harmonizing. And I'm gonna make something of a claim right now that a lot of people might not like, but you need to remember that this is literally just my opinion and this is based off of so many things. College is not essential. High school is not even essential. What is essential is hard work, passion, commitment, grind, hustle, authenticity, all of that. And there are a lot of successful people who did not go to college, who didn't even graduate high school because they had something that they loved and something that they knew engraved so deep in them that those were just burdens. I'm literally one of them. I barely made it through high school. I was not okay with authority and being told what to do. If there was not a logical reason behind it that was gonna help me. And I literally, when I was in high school, was dealing with the exact question that you're dealing with right now. And all my guidance counselors were telling me, if you don't go to college, you're not gonna amount to anything. You need to get an education. And thankfully for me, my mom is such a hero. And backed and supported me so hard that she literally said, no matter what you want to do, if you want to go to college, if you don't want to go to college, if you want to go to community college, I will support you as long as you know that I will pay for your college and I will not give you money for whatever other venture that you're going on if you do not choose that. And I back that so hard for all parents. No parents should give their kids money if they do not do what they want them to do. But also, as a parent, you need to verbally and emotionally support your child if they have a passion or a venture that they want to jump on that is outside of school. There are so many people and so many different ways of life these days. It's not like it used to be where you need that piece of paper that allows you to do things. You can take so many routes these days, but here's the thing. If you go to college and you get a degree, it's a lot easier to make money and it's a lot easier to support yourself. And your parents are going to be there and they're going to back you for all of that. But you're going to have to put a lot of work in. The other side of that is you're going to have no financial support from your family if you take the opposite route and you go and you try to do maybe an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial venture or you're just going out to travel. And you need to be ready and be willing to sacrifice absolutely everything. And I mean everything. You're going to be broke If you're going to get a spot somewhere, it needs to be a one-bedroom condo with five of your boys for $200 each. I've lived it. Huntington Beach, two-bedroom apartment, 14 homies. $1,800 rent. Do the math. We were paying literally in the hundreds at one point to be living two miles from the beach where every single one of us was trying to start off our own life. Somebody, one of our boys was trying to be a writer. One of our other boys was trying to be a mechanic. I was trying to be a surfer. Another was being a bartender. We supported each other. We ate like crap, but our crap was still better because we were educating ourselves on what nutrients you could do. you got to find farmer's markets. you got to figure out a way to not spend money on anything. You literally have to be broke. You have to just, the amount of work that you're going to have to put in is going to be times 10. You think studying hard for one subject before you take a test every quarter or every semester or however college works is going to be difficult, bro, you're talking five to 10 years of consistent 16-hour days of non-stop hustle by yourself while being broke before you see any results. But I'll tell you right now, when you get those results and when you see it start to pay off, you are going to be so much happier and so much more fortunate and so thankful that you aren't sitting there at 50 thinking, what if? What if I didn't go to college and I went to whichever country I was trying to go to and I I lived out of a backpack and I didn't shower for but maybe one time every single month and I ate freaking pasta and grass-fed beef and I just did whatever it took and I hustled and I hustled and I didn't think I was gonna make it. People were talking crap on me finally I figured out what it was and it went through and I started this business and I started getting some love and it paid off, that result is so much more rewarding than anything else that you can do in life if if that other option was not something that you wanted to do and you, and you made success in it. And, and here's the biggest thing is you can fail in something that you don't enjoy doing. You could become an accountant after going to school and making all this money and getting this family and 30 freaking five years old, you're styling, and you get laid off, and you don't even like your job, and now you're unemployed, and you're broke, and you have this house, and you're in debt, and you're financially screwed, and you're not even stoked on what you wanted to do. You wanted to just potentially be a snowboarder and rip the mountains, and if you had gone that other route from when you're 18 years old to when you're 35, that's almost 20 years of hard work. You could have been successful in 12 of them and made enough financial support and money to be crushing it, and you're just sitting there lost like... Why didn't I do what I wanted to do? And sometimes that's because parents put too much of a workload on your shoulders and try to tell you too hard that you have to do something. Just first of all, know that you are insanely young. You can literally take 10 years from when you're 16 to 26, go high risk, put everything you have into it, completely fail, realize that it wasn't for you. You're still only 26. You can still go to school. You'll be graduated by 30. You'll have a degree and an internship and be done with all that by 33, 34, 35, and there you are, right back where you would have been. Just know time is on your side. When you're young, you got to put the work in if you're going to take that route. You can't be asking for money and support from your parents. you got to do it all on your own, and you got to be willing to just freaking grind. And when it pays off, it's so much more rewarding. So that was a long answer, but I hope that helped, homie. We're gonna probably do one or two more here because we're jumping into this deep. This is getting long. Justin Case is asking, what do I do to afford the dream? Right now, I'm looking to move out of my small town. I'm just curious how you do it. Stresses me out like crazy. Just trying to live the best life for me, man. Any tips, I'd appreciate you so much. There, I answered this in five different ways in this video, but basically to recover it a little bit more is you cannot be spending money on anything that is not so absurdly crucial. Food, gas, water, roof over your head, that's it. I have lived in a Ford Ranger, 1991, that I bought for $1,000 year round for eight years. I got a couple apartments here and there. Like I said, Huntington Beach, Living with my friends, 14 people, two bedroom, $160 a month, and I was working for DoorDash. I was buying coconut oil in 40-pound bins, and I was selling it for double. I was buying lighters for 5 bucks and selling them on the chairlift for 20 I was doing everything you could possibly think of to make the smallest amount of money. Anytime somebody saw something that was cheap, I would buy three to five to 10 of them, and if anybody needed it, I'd sell it for double. I'd be hooking the boys up for a cheaper price than if they wanted, and I would just be grinding. I'd be staying up late. I'd be getting up early, I'd be buying things off of Craigslist, I'd be doing gigs on Craigslist, help me move this, I'd show up in my truck, I'd help people move, I'd make 60 bucks. somebody would want me to bring them somewhere, throw me 10 bucks, 15 bucks for gas, you just got to do everything you can to make every single amount of money. I was literally returning bottles and cans, I was returning scrap metal, I would have areas in my backyard where anytime I saw a can I'd throw it in there or if I saw metal I'd put it there and every month I'd go and return it. You gotta look at money differently. You see a penny on the ground, you cannot disrespect money or money will disrespect you. And then once you have your money, you need to be so careful with how you spend it. I do not go to the bar. I do not buy new clothes. The shirt that I'm wearing right now, I got from my sponsor in 2011. I'm not joking. 2011, I've been wearing this Candy Grind shirt for. I do not go to bars. When people go out on Friday and Saturday night and they spend $150 each night and I'm sitting at home working and then they're trying to invite me out and then come Monday, they can't pay for something because... They went out to the bar and spent all this money and they got these new kicks and they got this new computer and they got all this new stuff and this new backpack and three jackets and four boots. And I'm sitting here wearing the same pair of snowboard boots for four years because I'm not down to spend $180 because I'm still getting time out of them. And I don't want to hear it from people when they ask you, how are you traveling? Oh, you're so lucky. Oh, you're, you're so fortunate. Or, oh, you, you must have money. You must be come from money or have a trust fund. Y'all are tripping because you're spending your money at 7-eleven buying Snickers and Monster Energy drinks and every single type of thing that you could think of that you don't need. People are eating when they're not even hungry. I used to literally take every single meal when I was traveling on my own, living in my van, and I would for sure cut it in half and I would get two meals out of it. I figured out bulletproof coffee. I figured out ways to get breakfast made for $2 and not have to spend 11 every day and save time While spending the extra money that I have on vitamins and nutrients and good, healthy, organic produce that people always think, oh, it's so organic and it's so expensive. But really, now I have more energy to put out more work and to do more things that are going to make me more money in the long run and not have to spend money on health insurance. So that's my answer, dude. You cannot be spending your money on trash. So many people do that and it hurts me every single day. But the thing is, is if you enjoy that and if you're making money and if you're posted up somewhere and you like these things... Do not let me try to talk you down because you want a couple new fresh jackets. Like Some people thoroughly enjoy the feeling of that and aren't trying to do what we're talking about. So if you guys want to go out and you enjoy your Friday, Saturday nights at the bar and it's the only way that you can let loose and enjoy it, then please, by all means, do it. But I do not want to hear you complaining and asking, how do you do this? How do you travel so much? Because we're out here putting in insane amounts of work and literally sacrificing everything. That's my answer, big dog. You know what? We're actually going to end it with that one right there because that means a lot to me and I get that question so much and literally when I hear the word luck, it gets my bones going so hard because I think when you look it up, it literally means like receiving something based off of zero work that you've done to put yourself in that situation and I get that answer literally every single day. I show up to Breckenridge after driving 16 hours through the night, sleeping on my boy's couch, using all my old gear that I've had for so long, after literally just trekking it so hard, doing everything I can to make it possible to be here. And I'll get a little comment from homie. Oh, you're so lucky you're at Breck right now. Like, no, dude, I'm from Connecticut. I snowboarded in Vermont. My family lives in Florida and New Hampshire. My brother's in Southern California. Like, There is nothing about luck that put me here. I didn't get a plane ticket that, bought, that brought me here for, for free. I didn't. None of that happened. I woke up early. I packed my car. I drove here with my hands on my wheel. I worked last week to get money to put that money in my gas. That gas got me to where I'm going. Now I'm here. I woke up early. I put my gear on. I got to the mountain. I'm, I bought my camera. I'm doing all this stuff. None of it's luck. I want you guys to know that nothing that you achieve in life is going to be based off of luck. There's always that quote where hard work meets opportunity, and that's luck, and that's the truth. If you're prepared and you put yourself in the situation where when an opportunity presents itself, you can jump on it and you attack it and you just maul it to pieces, that ain't luck. That's hard work, and I hope all of you guys are putting in hard work and taking the steps in your life that are going to make your dreams come true. And you're sticking with your intuition because there's so many outside sources of things that people, like your parents or your friends or anybody that wants to tell you what to do, a lot of times because they're jealous and maybe they didn't have that chance or that opportunity when they were that age or they were just too scared or it wasn't for them. Not everybody's meant to be traveling around the world, sleeping on couches, showering once a month, eating whatever they can to get by, but some people are. And if you're that person and you want to go that route, do it. Let me be the force under you today that helps you take that step, put that application in, move out to Colorado. There's been so many of you that have done it. There's been so many people that are doing it right now. And if you have, let me know. Leave a comment. I love interacting with you guys. Like I said, you're the only reason that I'm able to do what I do every single day. I love it so much. And I promise you, I would be doing it regardless with or without you guys, with or without the support, not only because I'm saying that, but because I've done it before. And I felt like I did it so well, I did it so proper, that it would be absolutely evil if I did not put myself on a social media platform to excel my size, to bring back value to you guys, to let you guys know that it's possible on living proof you can do it. You can find your dreams, you can find your passions. It's literally harder to figure out what you want to do than it is to do it. And when you're doing it, it's super easy, it's hard work, but you're going to love every second of it. I'm so grateful that you guys are here helping me and supporting me through mine because I would be crushing it out. Right, I would be right where I am right now without you guys, but it would just be different. I wouldn't be making these videos. I wouldn't have a big following, but you know what? There wouldn't be thousands of people that I've helped. And I feel like that is my true resonance inside is to help people and to stoke people out and to just keep this world on a positive manner. And we're gonna end it on that. So if you guys liked it, prove it. Please, please, please leave a rating on iTunes. That means everything. We're trying to get as many of those as we can. We're trying to do as many of these podcasts as we can. And leave some comments. Let me know what you guys want to hear in the next one. Let me know where you guys are at. Let me know where you're shredding. Let me know what tricks you want to see. If you guys are watching the vlogs, don't forget to subscribe. And we will see you in the next You Love to Hear a Podcast. We're shutting down because, well, you heard it. And you'll love to have heard it. Later, guys.